Hello and welcome to Fast Charge, the weekly smartphone podcast from the team here at Tech Advisor. I am your host, Dom, joined this week by Lewis. Hello. And by Toddy. Hello. So anyone watching us on the YouTube live stream, you'll have to forgive any sort of manic look in any of our eyes. It has been a slightly strange, stressful day for the Tech Advisor team because we have moved to a new website. uh, And that has literally happened about two minutes before going on air right now. Today has been a little tense in many directions. But yes, if you want to go to techadvisor.com, you will see a slightly shiny new coat of paint across basically all the same stuff. But it looks a little more modern, and that's nice. And the font's changed and stuff yes, like that. So, you know, if you, uh, if you happen to know what we looked like before, and then you go now, you might notice it looks a little bit different. If you don't really remember what the site looked like before, you're probably not going to notice a radical change. <laughs> but we know, we know. We, we appreciate like, yeah. it. I feel like you're understanding it. Like it's better for us as writers, meaning that you'll get better content, more like accessible content on more devices. It'll look better. That's the theory, right? It's just better. Yeah, it, it should be a bit more <laughs> mobile friendly. It's a little bit prettier. It should run a little faster. All the nice stuff like that. So this is a genuinely big, important change for Tech Advisor. It just feels currently like a big ball of stress inside my chest that I can't get out. <laughs> so we'll try and exercise that over the next hour or so of oh, the yes. podcast. Amazing. But we have another source of, well, maybe not stress, but distress today, <laughs> because I'm very sad to say that this is the last episode of Fast Charge where we will have Toddy with us, <sighs> because he was so disgusted by the new website design <laughs> that he has handed in his notice <laughs> immediately and is leaving the oh, company within deal. the next 24 hours. <laughs> uh, only half of that is true, but Toddy is Toddy is leaving, I'm afraid. To, tomorrow is his last day with the Tech Advisor team, uh, and he's uh, jumping ship, and you'll be able to find him writing and maybe videoing, I don't know, at Tech Radar in the future, Yeah, which is exciting. Yeah. But uh, yeah, generally very sad. I've really enjoyed watching Fast Charge kind of be like the 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 through the through line throughout lockdown and all of the yeah. like as a <laughs> yeah. show. Like it's held our you know held our video presence strong <laughs> in that time. And also like the show has like evolved so much in the you know the short time it's been about. It's been yeah. kind of amazing. Um, so this, yeah, this I, show was genuinely the majority of my social life for a good three months. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we somehow made, we were like, oh, everyone's really enjoying Zoom calls. Let's make that a regular thing that we do every week without <laughs> fail. <laughs> um, but no, it's been great to be part of the show and, and see the show change and evolve. And I'm sure it's going to go on to even bigger and better things, even long after my time with the company. Well, that's nice. Thank you. Very nice. <laughs> Let's get on to what we are going to talk about this week. Because there is some big phone stuff we can chat about to see Tony off properly. Yes. Doing what he does best. Just kind of complain about phone around phone or... specs and yeah, moan <laughs> yeah. about some colour names maybe, yeah, something yeah. like that. <laughs> exactly. We'll figure it out. Uh, right, the big news this week, obviously, is WWDC. So we will be chatting WWDC, Apple's big dev conference. Our focus is iOS, and I'm kind of lumping iPadOS in with that because we are going to chat about that too. Maybe even uh, a smattering of watchOS, if any of us can remember anything that was announced on the watch side. I remember one thing. Uh, but... <laughs> I remember, there we go, that's more than I've got, in all honesty. Uh, we will, yeah, so our focus is iOS. There's obviously lots of stuff to talk about there. Um, we're not really going to talk about the Macs. There's a new M2 chip, there's the new MacBook Air, and a kind of new ish MacBook Pro. 
um, but we're not really going to chat about that too much today. We are going to talk about a couple phones that have had global releases this week though. We are going to be talking about the Realme GT Neo 3, which I have been using and have reviewed, so you'll be getting my review of the GT Neo 3, maybe with a couple quick thoughts on the Neo 3T, which I haven't reviewed but I have played around with for a little bit in a briefing. Uh, and then Lewis is going to be talking about the Xiaomi Blackshock 5 Pro. Uh, the 5 and the 5 Pro both got their global launch today. I think that was about two hours ago or something. It was indeed. So, yeah, latest Xiaomi gaming phones. We'll be chatting through those as well. Before that, let's get through this week's news. So there's a couple nice tie-ins with the other stuff we're going to be talking about. Uh, one, Google, not to be outdone by Apple unveiling iOS 16, has retaliated with Android 13 Beta 3. Wow. I wow. wish I could sit here and list all the new things they've put in Beta 3, but there are basically none. The official <laughs> blog announcing it doesn't actually list anything new they've added in Beta 3. Uh, there are some tweaks, obviously, if you go, like people like Michel Rahman on Twitter has done a deep dive into everything he's managed to find that has changed a bit. But this is really just Google tidying house a little bit on the betas. Um, it does feel like a slightly pointed move to have released it during WWDC week. <laughs> you have to think there was some strategy there, but it equally is a slightly odd strategy given yeah. that they didn't actually have anything new to put in with it. It's more of a reminder, yes, Android 13 is coming we're too. Also like, we're also doing something. We're also doing uh, second up, the ZTE Axon 40 Ultra is uh, yet another phone this week that has had a global launch. And that is actually a global one. That you're able to buy it in North America and all sorts of places like that that do not always get these phones. Yeah. Um, we're not going to talk about it in depth today. That is because I have the phone. I have it right here. But I've only had my SIM in it for a day. So I think we'll be talking next week where I'll be able to give a proper review talk a bit about obviously that under display camera which is always the main talking point on these i can give you my brief preview of that from taking a few selfies it's still not a great selfie camera but oh boy it's really hard to see which is basically what we said about the last one yeah. so i don't know that it's been a radical change there but uh yeah we'll talk about that properly next week but if you're tempted it is uh out from june 21st and again like i said genuinely worldwide and it's seven hundred ninety-nine dollars, eight hundred and twenty-nine euros, seven hundred and nine pounds. Which actually, for what it is, is pretty good, pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, um, I mean, again, uh, I have to use it properly to see if it holds up to the specs or not. They are also setting the bar right now for this deck, so they really don't have to try much harder between generations. <laughs> yeah. so like... Well, the competition is them and Samsung's genuinely terrible implementation yeah uh, which i guess is probably going to improve in the fold four <laughs> we can only Hopefully, i was about to say it can't get worse it can't get any worse yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh we'll see famous last words a couple other phone launches <laughs> that have been announced over the past week though they are actually launching in the future one of the big ones the asus rog phone 6 is launching on july 5th so still quite a while to go. I'm kind of surprised about these phone launch announcements a full month before the actual event is happening. Uh, you can only imagine maybe they realised it was about to get leaked and so they had to run with it. Though I think Asus tends to do this a bit, these kind of announcements three weeks before they do it. Mm, anyway, yeah. next-gen Asus gaming phones are coming next July. And a week later, we now know we are getting the Nothing Phone 1 on July 12th. 
Um, so they've gone for an even longer lead time on their launch announcement because Carlpay will not be outdone when it comes to drip feeding product news. <laughs> uh, yeah, was... I don't think they actually announced any more about the phone itself in the announcement. That'd be silly. Done. No, weeks no, left. it's like, yeah, they, they, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they put some, they put some lines in about, you know, it's their most important product yet. And um, it's going like unlearn everything you've learned basically about the phone industry right now. But these are all claims and statements that we hear a lot it. of the time. I hate it so much. Um, <laughs> it, in terms of the drip feeding, I like that. Like on Monday, we got like a tweet that just said from nothing Twitter this week. And yeah. then Carl Pay's Twitter account was like a, a, a retweet. Who tweeted this? That. Yeah, going like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> and like that was they, 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 can't they help also themselves. the official account also did a tomorrow tweet oh did it i even noticed that one announcement wow yeah. yeah so they love it they love just so they even took crumbs. three tweets over three days to tease the announcement the of the launch event yeah. in more than a month's time yeah we don't so need this in 2022 are, <laughs> i know <laughs> they are really milking the news cycle but hey here we are playing along with it so um, final bit of news for this week is uh, the EU USB-C kind of uh, change, which has been reported a bit this week, like the EU has officially, uh, you know, declared that all phones must have USB-C ports. That is not quite true. It's that they have, from my understanding of EU law, which is admittedly limited, um, they've basically finalised a proposal which will then go to a vote later this year but the vote is very much expected to go in its favour. So it's not we're not exactly on tenterhooks about it. But from 2024, um, all small electronics will be required to use a USB-C port, which means phones, and that's obviously the big focus for us, but it's also, it, it, you know, kind of just as excitingly in many ways, things like headphones and yes. uh, power banks and all sorts of little bits like that. So the days of cheap headphones using a micro-USB port and other kind of cheap bits of tech stick with micro-USB will be legally over, at least for the EU, from 2024. What about um, those... Interesting laptops are included too, but with a three-year delay. So from 2027, laptops will have to be USB-C, by which time USB-C will absolutely be outdated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm already... if it's not by 2024, then by 2027, there's just no way that's still the, the current latest best standard. I kind of wish that the government also, the EU, sorry, imposed like some charging standards that companies had to adhere to. Because yeah, that would make it I a lot better. Because like USB-C as a connection type is one thing, but like knowing what your charge, like cables, like charging standards your cable supports. Yeah, it's going to be messy. Uh, obviously, the kind of really interesting nugget of all of this is what does it mean for Apple? Um, I have seen some people kind of downplaying this and suggesting that Apple will find a way to, to wriggle out of this anyway. I'll admit most of the people I've seen saying that are Americans who I think underestimate the sheer litigiousness yeah. of the EU. Um, I don't... Like, this is a law they have written for Apple. Let's yeah, say, like, essentially, yeah. They made this law for Apple. I don't see them letting them get out of it no. because the Apple is the only reason this, this law even exists. It just wouldn't have been made if all they were worried about was sort of cheap, true wireless headphones using an old port. I mean, Apple has previously, like, when it first went, I think it was first with 4G, they had, like, a CDM CDMA version for Verizon, and they had, like, a global mm. version of their phone. Could we see a US version of the iPhone, whatever, that is still lightning when the European version is USB-C? Do you think that's even on the table, or do you think that's crazy? That's, that's definitely, like, the banter timeline outcome 
where you <laughs> okay. then get EU-only USB-C iPhones that yeah. then become, like, hugely valued by people importing to the yeah. rest of the world because yeah. they want the USB-C iPhone that's only available in the EU. Yeah. Um, and even if Britain then gets stuck with a lightning one because we're not technically in the EU, oh, God. you know, because the, the UK government has said they're not interested in this law, they don't want to enforce it over here. So um, it could all get messy. I mean, I think Apple just... They're just going to do it. A USB-C port yeah. in... The iPhone. I mean, they did it with the iPad. I was about to say they've done it with the iPad, and yeah. when they launched, I think it was the Mini. Um, when they upgraded that from Lightning to USB, they they banged on for about five minutes about how much better yeah. USB C is, and I'm like, well, Brilliant. you know, that's still on your iPhones, right? <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> I think I think they've seen the writing on the wall on this one for years, and that's why they've just been making those gradual moves where they yeah. recognised it's going to go this way. They don't have a choice, so they had to start making that move. And by seeding it in in the pro products first, they've made it seem like this exciting upgrade that they're rolling down the line or something. We're so lucky. Than just like them catching up to the rest of the industry <laughs> yeah. or at least, you know, coming in line with the rest of the industry exactly. on, on standards. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. I mean, it's 2024, so there's still a couple of years before it starts bothering anyone too much. But yeah, that looks pretty likely to happen. Okay, let's talk about iPhone stuff that's not quite so far afield, I guess iOS 16 has been unveiled. This is obviously the new version of the iPhone operating system that will officially launch alongside the iPhone 14s in probably September. Um, that was unveiled at WWDC alongside iPadOS 16, which obviously shares a lot of its DNA, though, though there are some differences, along with the new WatchOS, the new Mac OS, and some new Macs and stuff like that. Um, Lewis, why don't you sort of run us through, I guess, the headline iOS. Well, maybe actually it's better to start, like, is this a big iOS update? Or is this one of those little incremental, you know, they change the color yeah. of the menu section yeah. updates? I think it depends on how you look at it. Um, I think if you're kind of coming at it from, like, the lock screen perspective, it's a complete redesign of everything, um, which is really mm. exciting to see because it's basically fundamentally stayed the same since the early days of iPhone. Um, yeah. Aside from that, I don't think there's a huge amount of changes to the actual operating system itself, but I think the lock screen yeah, will be enough for most people. <laughs> it's one big, exciting, very visual change. Oh, it is. And a lot of other stuff isn't, which is kind of a bit like Android 12 was, though that change was at least yeah. kind of through the whole system. But yeah. they had one big visual overhaul. And, and it helps that it's the first thing you see pieces. as soon as you unlock the phone. You're like, oh, that's new. Like, you know, there's no, yeah. like, you don't have to go to a, a system or, like, a, a special app or anything like that. As soon as you unlock, like, you know, you turn the screen on, you're like, oh, that's a, yeah. new, that's a new feature. I like that. So, so what is the lock screen change? <clears throat> so, yeah. have been dancing around it. Let's, yeah. uh, let's delve into this. So, yeah, it's um, it's quite quite a big change. So let's start the bit at the top. So you can now customize your font and color options for you, the actual display for the clock and the time and date, um, which I, you know, when they, found, when they announced, I thought that was it. And I was like, okay, this is really disappointing. And then they went so yeah, much further the into it. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, yeah, so like I mentioned, it goes way more than just being able to customize the uh, the time and date and stuff like that. Um, so you can select your, uh, you know, photos from your library, and they've also got millions of combinations of of pre is uh, of like available wallpapers through like a new app or something like that. Mm. I'm not quite sure how the implementation is, but they said there's like millions of combinations available. Is it that you can now like they'll change that you can have it like scroll through different 
lock screen so when you unlock your phone it looks different or something yeah so there's a few different features so uh, one of them is it's called like a photo shuffle where you select a bunch of your yeah. own photos from from your photos app and it will just kind of change them throughout the day uh, you can also stylize these images as well they're not just the ones that look it's not just how they look in your photos app um Apple demoed a system where you kind of swipe left and right and it applies different themes and color options and effects to it. I think they work better with portrait images because they use that depth yeah. um, information to make you make the subject like sit in front of the clock or something to add a bit more depth to the screen. Um, That's one of the coolest things they've done, the yeah, way it yeah, for can sure. pull the object or subject of the photo like in front of, of the clock or any widgets or, or stuff like that is very clever yeah technologically it's just like yeah you've got that tech all along and it's one of those as soon as someone does it mm -hmm. it's so obvious in retrospect and you think oh my god why has every phone not done this for five years because it's so obvious as soon as we had the ability to do those portraits yeah show, shots we should have been doing this it's really interesting because it, really... it was actually a feature on the apple watch last year like you've got you've got a watch face on the apple watch that does the exact same thing with watch faces oh really yeah yeah, yeah. and i was always like that would be so good on the iphone um, and I think that's kind of the overarching thing that I noticed with the lock screen is that it's basically the Apple Watch. Like the lock screen is <laughs> the Apple Watch. Like you've got the um, you've got the new it's design. You can customize the faces, and yeah, you've got new widget complication things that you can look at at a glance, like you would on your watch. Um, and what I do like actually about these new uh, the new lock screen is that you can tie wallpapers to different focuses. Um, which yeah, I think cool. is very cool. So you can have like a work mm. lock screen, and then selecting that. Uh, lock screen from yeah, I think you can just swipe left and right like you can with an Apple Watch to select your different wallpapers. So once you select that, it'll automatically select your work um, focus, and then when you unlock the phone, only your work apps will be on there and that kind of stuff. And there is some more kind of um, advancements in the focus stuff this year that allow developers to kind of split their content in their apps depending on what focus you're using. So if you're in mm. a, an email app and you're in work focus, it'll only show you work emails, but if you're in private, it will only show you private emails. That kind of thing, um, which I'm quite excited about. <clears throat> but the, I think the, um, the complementary feature to the lot screen is the redesigned widget, uh, the redesigned notifications. Mm. Because it's um, kind of a huge thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, un I'm unsure how it affects the system as a whole because they only really discussed it in the context of the lock screen. Um, mm. But for those who don't know, the idea is that instead of um, a long list of notifications on your phone, which for me go on forever because I never clear my notifications. Uh, it just blocks up the entire lock screen. It's a bit pointless. So now they've come up with the ingenious idea of um, delivering them at the bottom of the screen. This kind of like mini carousel that kind of overlaps one another. Um, so you've got the majority of the display free to appreciate your lock screen. I, don't, I mean, I don't really know what else you're supposed to do with it, but <laughs> you've got all the extra space now. Um, so yeah, they'll appear at the bottom of the screen. And there's also a kind of complementary mode to that where so when you're ordering food from Justy or you're, you're waiting for your Uber, you know, you get those real time notifications. And by the time you've got your thing, there's about eight notifications and your notification, you're like, well, I don't need this. So the idea is that they're going to turn them into kind of live update widgets that will sit at the bottom of the lock screen, kind of uh, just displaying the information like uh, where it is or, you know, what, what mm. the status is rather than barraging you with 20 notifications in a 10 minute span just to give you updates. Um, so yeah, not, not, game-changing but it's definitely a nice quality of life feature uh, like I said I'm, I'm, I'm just more interested to see how that translates to like the uh, you know the the, um, the notification shade and stuff like that once you're unlocked yeah I like do, do you know if those live activities and things do they pull through to your notification tray because you obviously want to 
be able to check those while yeah. you're using the phone. Yeah, exactly. And not yeah. have to lock your phone to, to see check it. that yeah. tracker again. <laughs> that, that's kind of what they didn't go too much into. And this, this is annoying thing because uh, it's, it's developer beta only at the moment. So none of us can get on there and find out ourselves until the public beta comes next month. Because, uh, yeah, they, they mainly focus in, in on the context of the lock screen. So that's one thing that's still a, a bit of an unknown at the moment. But I imagine there's still going to be some kind of standard list view. From one, when you're in yep. your phone, you would have thought so. Because it would be a bit strange. It would be a bit weird if you've only have you only now have that tiny section at the bottom of the phone yep. to scroll through all of your notifications. Um, yeah, for user experience, it's so prevalent. Like, it's even a small change like that would have, I think, ramifications for like users all over the place who are going to be like throwing their arms up in the air. Yeah, exactly. Like, you've got to have an option for that one. Exactly. Turn on and off. At least for this generation, switching over. There's one other question I have around um, the lock screen stuff, which is I haven't seen answered by anyone who's who's in the dev the dev preview of it yet. But it's not clear how much, if any, of this is coming to iPads because yes. yeah. in the iPad section of the presentation there was zero mention of it. They didn't show any lock screens. They didn't mention widgets or live activities. Uh, none of it's mentioned in the official press release about iPad OS 16 and all of that. So I certainly, my sense was at least this core lock screen customizability mm -hmm. doesn't seem to be yeah. coming to iPads. No. Whether the live activities will, I don't know, because if that's baked into the notification system, you'd think maybe it could. I think maybe but... it's less of an issue on the iPad. They might see it as less of an issue because the notifications on an iPad only take up a, a small section of the middle of the screen compared to your entire iPhone display. So you can still see you all yes. and appreciate it and you know, that yeah. kind of logic to it. But um, no, you are right. Um, there was no mention of it during the, the um, keynote, anything like that. And people have said that it's not there. Uh, I'm not really surprised because they do this most of the time. Uh, the new feature yep. will come to iPhone first and then the next year it will then be rolled out to the iPad. Um, it was the same with widgets in general, I think it was, when they were introduced. That was first on the phone and then on the iPad the year after. And, and It uh, makes a bit of sense. It, it's this funny position they've put themselves in since they spun iPadOS off as its own thing, which is iPadOS will always get some extra features, and yeah. maybe we'll chat about them in a bit, that are kind of pulled a bit from macOS and designed to, you know, they're usually around multitasking and that yeah. kind of use case. But equally, it would by default get everything that's in iOS plus the special iPadOS stuff. And it makes iPadOS the bigger update and yeah. the more important OS where iOS just gets a bit of it. So I do wonder if they have very consciously just kind of said, we have to leave, just choose to make some features iOS only to make it exciting for our iOS announcement. Because there was a few you know, years. Completely yeah. artificially, yeah, just yeah. to really like consciously, ha not hamstring iPadOS, but you know, to limit, leave some stuff out of it to keep iOS exciting. Well, arguably managing notifications is more important on phones than it is on tablets, generally yeah. speaking, I'd say. The idea of like the different focuses and how different types of notifications could fall to different sort of profiles, that does seem like a really Very powerful iPad. thing that they should be putting on the iPad, like yeah. especially with the pro models that they always try and pair with the keyboard yeah. and the kind of the use cases that they push for it, yeah. If it's your work device, but then in the evening it's your Netflix screen. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You want to be able to switch focuses. Yeah. For that. yeah, I think yeah, I think the focus stuff might actually be coming to the iPad because that's not so heavily tied in with the lock screen and stuff like that. Um, and they do already have the focus modes on there, so I'm um, fingers crossed that the uh, the extension of the focus capabilities is is iPad OS because uh, yeah, like you say, it makes way more sense on the iPad than it does on a phone for a lot of things. Um, yeah, probably mentioned some other little bits and bobs that are changing um, in the Messages app. There is new, uh, like undo send and that kind of thing. Like, no, I wouldn't say they're 
they're crazy exciting changes. They're kind of just bringing it in line with things like WhatsApp, where you can delete recently yeah. sent messages and uh, you can do share play in iMessage now. So you can watch yeah. stuff uh, in time with other people, but just text them instead of going on FaceTime with them. Um, I mean, yeah, fine. Uh, the only thing I don't also, really... <laughs> oh, God. I was just say within line, the sort of the undo send in, in messages. I don't want to rag on too much, but one, one of my biggest during the event kind of like jaw drop wait it doesn't already do that yeah. moments was when they proudly announced that undo send and scheduled send were coming to mail and i was <laughs> yeah. just like what so, i mean i don't well i don't use an iphone often and when i do i just put the gmail app yeah. on because yeah. i don't want to deal with mail no. but wow i have used gmail for over a decade and i remember as a teenager when they introduced undo send and i thought it was such a cool clever feature I cannot believe mail is only getting it in 2022. <laughs> if you're impressed by that, you might be impressed by the fact there's now multi-step navigation in Google Ma uh, in Apple Maps as well. Crazy. Yes, that one was also wild, the, the excitement <laughs> uh, with which they announced that. And of course, lest we forget the weather app in the iPad OS update. Oh, yeah. iPad gets a weather app. Do you know it what? It turns out people with tablets experience weather as well. I think that's only down to <laughs> Marquez Brownlee. They just the tablet over their head. Like, <laughs> I think uh, Marquez Brownlee did an interview with Tim Cook about a year ago after the iPad OS 15 oh, announcement yeah. came, and he was like, where is the weather app? We all need a weather app on iPad. And he was just like, well, once we get a good design for it, then we'll start rolling it out. So he definitely went back and was like, we need a weather app for yeah. the iPad right yeah. now. <laughs> Are we still waiting for a calculator app on iPad OS? Uh, yes. Yeah, apparently we are. I also yeah. didn't realize iPads <laughs> yeah. didn't have a calculator app. I'm not well, going to lie. They have like, that like blew the my side mind. Thing. Like, but it, it definitely would work. Yeah. Just have like a floating calendar screen like yeah. on top of everything yes. else. Because um, that's another feels... part of iPad OS is, you know, I can't remember what it's called now. Center stage or something like that, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can have floating windows, right? Stage manager, manager that's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. Yeah, I think. Um, stage manager, I have to admit, throws me a little bit because as an interface, it's like Windows, but worse. It's like Dex, And right? I'm sort a little of. confused by the choice to take Windows and then make it bad. <laughs> but, and basically, what it, you know, so it's, it's this thing where they're like proudly like, right, you can now see something. It is introduced on the Mac side where the comparison to Windows seems more obvious, to be fair, where it's, you know, all right, this is a great new thing where you can see your window full screen but you can still see all your other windows along the side and you can get to them with a click it's like yeah like windows does um what's weird about it is that you still it, they do those along the side yeah but then you still have the dock along the bottom so now two parts of your screen are taken up so you have like an iPhone a list left. of the apps that you can open <laughs> and it's the same on the ipad version when you, if you do it on the ipad you'll have your dock at the bottom of the screen so you're already losing an inch of the bottom but now you lose an inch of the side because that's a list of all your active windows rather than your sort of app icons in the dock. It feels very clunky to me. And the functionality is cool. And certainly the iPad side is important that now you can have multiple floating resizable windows. You can have groups. So you can group up to four apps at once. So you can open them as a quick group. Um, and then on the, I think this is all, this is all M1 iPads only. Though. I was about to say, yeah. As well. Um, and then with external monitors, you can throw a group on the other monitor and you can genuinely have external monitors. Um, I'm actually really excited that for that. The iPad didn't have before. Yeah. Yeah. All of that is a really big deal. I do just find it a bit odd that the UI is this clunky thing where it's a halfway step towards Windows. Yeah. While still halfway having its foot in the, the app dock and the kind of the very Apple-y way of doing it before. And it feels very odd to me that they have, have done it that way. 
It's uh, but the functionality is great. Yeah, you know, and for an iPad, it's a game changer. I think for the iPad Pro space. I mean, I think that might make a little bit more sense because Apple's rumored to be launching a 14-inch iPad next year. So that extra space mm. for those windows on the side of the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll get about the 12.9 inches of the other one uh, if you're yeah. using it full screen. Um, let's just rattle off a few more of those features uh, before I forget. The annoying thing about messages before I move on from messages is that uh, they've moved the uh, voice note shortcut. I've seen this on Twitter. And I'm just, I hate this so much. Apparently, they've, they've replaced the... Uh, voice note icon with a dictation button because they're hard. They're really going hard on dictation this year as well. There's a whole uh, new dictation yeah, right. thing um, where you can have the, key the keyboard up and dictate at the same time. Great, fine. Don't move the voice note button that's been there for the last four or five years, however long that it's been in iMessenger, and they've moved it to an own, its own like little app within the interface. So it's like two or three taps from what I've seen to get to the point where you can. Oh, record. frustrating. Yeah. Um, I'll admit I've never sent a voice note in my life, so really, I I personally struggle to care, but I know a lot of people who do, and I receive voice notes from other people, and I'm just an antisocial git who then types <laughs> a message back like a Neanderthal. I mean, on um, WhatsApp, I often hit the microphone like yeah, yeah, like, like a split second. Yeah. And it goes, like, oh, I don't want it, so I'm okay with three taps. But, well, but, but now that will just happen for dictation instead of exactly, yeah, yeah. You know which is arguably worse. Yeah, it'll yeah. then actually type something down. You have yeah. to then highlight delete. You're, it'll just type where you're like, oops, no, don't. Oh, fuck. oh. <laughs> yeah, just expletives. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, look, it's worth pointing out that these are, you know, this is literally the first beta, so uh, they're every possibility that these things will change by the time they come out yeah, later little, this year. Yeah, little tweaks will happen. Um, sure. As was the case last it year. They, though, it's feedback, you know. For, yeah, yeah, from what we've seen, like, you know, notifications, moving that around on the lock screen, that's a big shift. And mm. even, like, different UI elements that have been, you know, present for years yeah. at this point. It is odd that this is the generation where they're like, oh, no, we're going to move some fundamentals around. Just switch just it all up. On I think that kind of, yeah. that expands to, like, yeah, just, like, little areas of, of, of um, the operating system, like the video player's been redesigned. Uh, to make it more streamlined and a lot nicer looking. The FaceTime UI has had a tweak, so that's a lot easier to use. Oh, yeah, the lock screen, mm. like the padlock on the on the lock screen is now way smaller as well, and it disappears once it's like seen your face, yeah. which I think is quite nice. Yeah, this is why it's just loads of little visual things, I think, that will make the difference. Um, there's a lot of US-specific stuff as well with Apple Pay. Um, so you've got Apple Pay Later, which is... I really like the idea of Apple Pay Later, so yeah. it's uh, iPhone-to-iPhone iPhone payments. Yeah. Very dangerous. <laughs> but, um, and they haven't really confirmed how they're going to make that work because I've seen some speculation of how it will run in terms of things like, will you need in some way to verify that you have the total amount of money yeah, before I they let like you this. buy something over payments? Because, yeah. you know, they're not charging any interest, supposedly, and all this kind of stuff. It, it's a, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I've been told PayPal does something similar, which I didn't realize. Yeah. PayPal um, does it, Monzo does it, uh, Klarna does the same thing. Um, they all do these three yeah. months interest. Well, the rest of them are three months interest free. Apple's is six this is weeks. weird though. Which I thought six was really weeks weird. Six weeks is yeah. a very odd time for four payments. Yeah. It's an odd timeline. Uh, is yeah. it, is yeah, it like, like American thing? Are they paid weekly or something in America? I don't really understand. Don't no, yeah. Like if you're trying to tie it in with like most people's pay packages, yeah. you do it over two months yeah. and eight weeks, like at least. Yeah. Like it's very odd. So that there's a lot that's odd about it, and yeah, <laughs> I, I think we can probably assume it will be US only anyway. Because so with much most of these the things. kind of Apple Pay, this is what is, I mean. They've got yeah. the credit card, so I imagine that Apple's foot in the credit for it in some way. Um, yeah. So the system's yeah, already sure. available in America. So yeah, I don't think it'll be worldwide for sure. But yeah, but to say it's yeah, it's uh, anywhere you can get Apple Pay is that's that's a big play. Yeah, um, but it would be interesting to say a lot like when they started offering. Um, you know, you could get your screen replaced at like verified third party companies. 
yeah. a fit with official parts and then the pricing for that came out. I'm very curious to know what the late pricing would be, <laughs> the fees if you don't make if you don't make that payments, yeah. Six week like, cut off. Yeah. How bad is that? Tim Cook comes around and breaks your leg. <laughs> <laughs> Gets well, you right you, the kneecap. You heard of the home repair kit that Apple now offers that you can get. It oh, weighs yes. like it comes in a yeah. Pelican case. Like they just Oh yeah, well that's what it uses to break your legs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, it's it's an interesting one. It's especially funny all, all the, the the Apple Pay stuff because their Apple Pay adoption and use in the US is actually a lot lower than it is yeah. in the rest of the world, despite them getting a lot more features, because the American payment system is in many ways still very antiquated compared so to a lot of Europe bad. and Asia. I can't so like... the funny thing is they have to push it because not enough people, even though iPhone ownership is like peak in the US, there's not enough Apple Pay users because it's actually still just awkward to use contactless. I thought Apple Pay was going to be the thing that brought contactless to the US yeah. in a big way because MagStrip was still so prevalent there. Mm-hmm. I think it slowly is. I think it, I think it's yeah. part of why the US has broadly skipped chip and pin. It kind of has. And is now totally. going to contactless without doing chip and pin in between. And I think Apple yeah. Pay is a big part of why that's happened. Yeah. Uh, but I think adoption is still sluggish. Um, so odd. But actually, there's another thing on that side is I think part of the reason adoption is sluggish is it's on the enterprise side of, of having payment terminals, and they are now rolling out that ability to use an iPhone as a oh, uh, yeah. as a receiver for for payments, which could be a big move in terms of helping at least small businesses move to that contactless payment model. Yeah. And again, gonna, that's US only. But that's going to upset the like Square, PayPal, all of those companies yeah. that already I think offer you still those little, have like, to use power their services. Like I think you still have to have their app on your phone. So I think you still have to sign up to one of these okay. services, but you just don't need to buy like the hundred pound card reader. Exactly, little reader. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that's how I understand it anyway. Um, so I think equally, if you're buying an iPhone for the purpose, that probably costs more than those readers do. Yeah, I say with yes. no idea how much those things cost, but I assume they're cheaper than an iPhone. Yeah, no, they are. I mean, so that's it's a, a slightly f- funny one in that respect. Yeah, that's the feature I'm curious. Like, how far back in time that feature is going to be supported? Like, will it be iPhone yeah. 10? Like, will it go that far back? Will it be even older? It'd yes. be cool to know. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so the repurposing an old phone that you could just got sat in a drawer or something. Yeah. Um, so I think that's most of the iPhone side of it, right, Lewis? Uh, I, I just want to say one more, one more noticeable thing that I noticed that no one else seems to be talking about. The oh, yeah. fitness app from the Apple Watch. Oh, I thought you were going to say his tracksuit. Oh, no. Craig <laughs> 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 Federighi's amazing tracksuit. Oh, the basketball. The whole thing was just... Everyone was not the word I was going to drop, but yeah. Oh, sorry. No, yeah. Yeah. Um, iconic? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Just, it was a statement <laughs> piece, let's say. <laughs> That, that is, yeah, that's what it was. Um, Sorry, Liz, so yeah, derailed. The, uh, the the fitness app that has been exclusive to Apple Watch owners since the app, first Apple Watch in 2015 is no longer exclusive to Apple Watch owners. You, anyone with an iPhone will be able to use the fitness app to track their standing goals, their calories, that kind of thing. Um, and it will just use the accelerometer on your phone to keep that, to track that data for you. And then that will be available in the form of a widget on your home screen and stuff like that. And it will integrate with health, uh, the Apple Health. So you can interesting. close your rings on your phone without a, a watch. Yeah. That's cool. Is that another one of those things in that vein of I'm a little surprised that wasn't an option before? In the way that, say, Google it's Fit always been, yeah, Android, it's always been always do that with your phone. I've, was that not an option with an iPhone? It was not, no. It was really annoying because the UI yeah, and the interface and the app is so good for the Apple Watch. And I've always been like, yeah. but what about when I'm not wearing it? Like, what if I'm just, yeah, if I don't wear it? So, yeah, that is now a thing. It will be on everyone's iPhones and everybody can use it. That's good. <laughs> I mean, I think step tracking with a phone alone is always 
pretty ropey yeah. anyway. So yeah. I, I can see why they may be reluctant. I've never really relied on it on the Android side. No, it's, it's just, I think it's, it's just not really worth relying on. But A rough ballpark figure of, you know, yeah. it's better than nothing. Yeah. Still value. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bef- before we do jump on, there is one other feature I've seen. People who have already got the beta, like lock screen is obviously the thing that most people talk about. And it's really cool. Mm. I really love the depth photo stuff. But there's another thing. I think it's specifically for messages or I'm not sure how exactly you access it right now, but you can do basically like content aware cut and paste on imagery yeah. and even and text recognition mm. video. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So like you can yeah, long press text. on like an, yeah, yeah, that that is kind of like it just seems to work, but it's crazy that we've not really seen that before. It's it's it feels like something Adobe would have done in yeah. you know, like they have their magic select tools in Photoshop, but you can literally like it's you know Photo of a dog, long press on the dog, it cuts the dog out of the picture. You can paste that dog without a background elsewhere in iOS. But they showed the example of just dropping cool. it in the messages app. I'm like, what's the point of that? <laughs> Who's going to do yeah, that? I don't know why you wouldn't want the background. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Very sus. Just selling stuff Very on like, <laughs> you know, eBay or something from your phone. I guess that's a nice yeah, way to that's not a bad idea. Image out the background, but that's pretty niche. It's very niche. Yeah. I was kind of like, but yeah, the technology was cool, I thought. It's, yeah, very cool. Um, uh, kind of use of the tech but even during the keynote i was like why are they focusing on this in the keynote when there's so much more that they could be talking yeah. about but whatever whatever again it's another one you almost think it would have made more sense to talk about in the ipad bit because there's more yeah. productivity yeah. applications you imagine where you're making a presentation and you yeah. just want that bit of that image to drag over or like whatever. photo editing look and you stuff can just like drag and drop onto your external display and all of that stuff because yeah. um, that was very much i don't we i think we should move on in a moment but yeah. that was very much the ipad <laughs> focus while the ios side was um mostly cosmetic and little usability tweaks and the big lock screen stuff the ipad side was all about productivity and and pro users and we spoke about the the stage manager but they add a lot of new collaboration tools where you can sort of collaborate within pages and other apps like that with groups from messages and stuff like that and all that integration um and then a few other sort of pro specific or m1 specific features and, and that sort of stuff so the focus on the ipad side was very much the high-end devices lots that was gated to to its latest and most powerful things um it, you know for example if you own the base regular cheap ipad not that much of the ipad os announcement actually applied to your ipad no, yeah yeah <laughs> Um, so that's, just, but, that's that's the core iPad experience. You know, you don't get yeah, that's you don't get though, the fancy I stuff. I don't think it's a problem. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's a problem. And I think because you know the changes they did make on the the multitasking side and things like that, I think are pretty powerful. I've seen a lot of people, and, and to be fair, this conversation happens to some extent every year. But a lot yeah. of people saying, "Oh, I can finally work on my iPad." Yeah, and you know it, that happens a lot. So maybe it's not true, and maybe there'll still be some some reason it doesn't hold up. But the ability to plug it into another screen and genuinely multitask across them feels like a very big step forward for the yeah. iPad Pro user. Yeah, for sure. Right, let's move on to phones, actual phone hardware, having having chatted so long about all the all the iOS stuff. So first up, we're going to talk about Realme. The Realme GT Neo 3 had its European launch this week, along with the GT Neo 3T, which is a cheaper version that has launched in Europe and has also launched in bits of Asia over the last few days. Not going to talk about the 3T very much. It's a kind of Snapdragon 870 phone. It's got 80 watt charging. It's pretty nice. It's not amazing. It's plastic. It's about 400 pounds in the UK, a little under 400 pounds. We gave it seven out of 10 in our review, basically felt it's decent. 
but it's just there's so much competition around that £400 price and compared to say the Nord 2T from OnePlus it just isn't as up to date on, on the specs it offers and the camera it has and, and that kind of thing just yeah it seems like a very odd miss like not misstep but just a very you know considering the neo is all the gt neo is already like the affordable version of the gt then the yeah. t is the affordable version of the neo which is like well you say that the gt neo 3 is a hundred pounds more than the gt2 two yeah, well yeah okay, it's cheaper fine, than the enough. pro which is their proper flagship one but the yeah. gt2 was also kind of pitched as our affordable flagship yeah and the neo 3 is actually more expensive than it which threw me a little bit when I was putting my review together and sort of putting the lineup straight in my head. So, yeah, they've kind of <laughs> yeah, the shifted waters. around that sense of the Neos were the cheap versions because that's yeah. not really the case anymore. It's like um, Oppo with, the, with the, the find range, you know. It used to be their weird concept phone stuff, and then now it's just yeah. the flagship range. Yeah, it's just the flagship stuff. Yeah. So the GT Neo 3... Um, this is the phone that was announced uh, a while ago with 150 watt wired charging, and that is the headline feature. Uh, as we spoke about at the time, there are two versions. There's 150 watts with a four and a half thousand milliamp hour battery. That's the version I reviewed. It's also the only one in the UK and in some other markets. Some places they've just gone for that version. Um, but in India and in parts of Europe, there is also a second cheaper model with slower 80 watt charging but a bigger 5,000 milliamp hour battery. I haven't used that version, so um, in terms of shifts, in terms of how much battery life it has and stuff like that, I can't really comment on what, what the gap is. Um, but I've been using the 150 watt version, and I really like it. I, I don't, you know, absolutely, absolutely love it, but I really like it. The charging is ridiculously fast. <laughs> uh, it's a full charge in less than 15 minutes. Uh, you can get about half, half a charge in five minutes. It's really silly. That is, you have to turn on rapid charging in the settings to hit the this max. This blew speed. my mind when you told me this. I'm like, yeah. So there is one thing. aren't going to know. Exactly. No one's ever going to find that unless they know to look for it. So most people will never actually get the full speed because they won't think to dive into the battery bit and find that rapid charging setting. Or they will, like six months after owning the phone, they'll go in and go, what do you mean turn on rapid charging? Yeah. Uh, so, it, but it's still very fast if you don't. I did my first charging test without it turned on because I didn't realize the toggle was there. And Classic. my first charging test, uh, I got to 88% in 15 minutes and then 100% well before the half hour mark. So even without rapid charging, that is still very fast charging. Yeah. But we don't know what speed that is, like what wattage that must be charging. At. don't. What I'll say is the different manufacturers, so efficiencies will be different, but the Poco F4 GT... There's 120 watt charging, mm. and that did 90 percent in 15 minutes. Yeah. I was going to say this is, and this is 120 watt, and it's got 91 in 15. So yeah, yeah. So it seems yeah. to be that's about the 120 watt line based on what other people are doing. So that's probably roughly what you're getting if you don't turn it on. Um, if you do turn it on, it goes that little bit faster. I mean, and honestly, that means even without it switched on, most people will still be like, "Wow, my phone charges so fast. This is incredible." <laughs> you know, it will still it's still one of the fastest charging phones in the world, even without that turned on. Turn it on, and it is the fastest right now, at least. I mean, the point that that brought up, though, when we were chatting about it, Don, was the <clears throat> off camera was the uh, the charge cycle claim, and what that yeah. actually means for the charge cycle claim, right? So I haven't. I need. I need to reach out to Realme and ask about this because it only occurred to me talking talking to Toddy yesterday. So I haven't haven't gotten comment from the company on this. But yeah, a big part of what they're talking about is the battery health side, where they say the phone will still have eighty percent 
of its battery capacity after 1600 charge cycles, which is about, I think about double what most other companies yeah. claim. Yeah. Um, if you think about it, 1600 charge cycles, even if you charge every single day, that's at least four years, um, probably more like four and a half, five years, and you'll still have 80% battery at the end of that. So that's really impressive. That's really, yeah. really great. More phones should be like that. That's fantastic. But you have to wonder, is that with rapid charging on or off? <laughs> if it comes off out of the box, I reckon that's off, the out of box charge. Yeah, 100%. and I don't think they specified. I've never seen the asterisk it's so from cheeky. the small print. It's so, so cheeky. That, <laughs> if that is excellent true. battery health is probably with the slightly slower charging. Slightly so slower, but still crazy rap- fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, still yeah. crazy fast. Let's be fair. Um, when you turn rapid charging on, it gives you a little pop-up warning, but all it says is that your phone might get slightly warmer while charging. So it doesn't say anything about battery health or anything like that, but it does warn it'll get a, run a little hotter and you can choose to engage that or not. Um, but yeah, so charging excellent. It is what it is. It's very fast charging. If that really swings it for you when looking at a phone, then great. This is going to be, well, this is the fastest. Uh, no wireless charging is the obvious trade-off, but for a £600 phone, I, I probably wouldn't expect to see wireless charging anyway. I would see it more as a good bonus if it was included at that price. Similarly, there's no IP rating. So that's, again, pretty typical. Is it glass back? It is a glass back. Right. It's Gorilla Glass 5 on the display, but they don't claim it to be Gorilla Glass on the back. Okay, so interesting. So presumably not. Um, it is a glass back, but I, I can't remember what other phone we were talking about this where we had the same problem. It might have also been a Realme. If you hadn't told me this was glass, I would have bet it was plastic. <laughs> yeah, I think this was a real meme. Yeah. It really yeah. feels like plastic. <laughs> and they insist it's glass, so it must be. I'm not suggesting they're lying to me, but whatever way they've decided to finish the glass, it's got a matte finish, so it's not very fingerprinty. And whatever they've done to do that just makes it feel kind of plasticky to me. So I don't really see the point, because the whole reason to get a glass back and pay extra for that, dealing with you know increased fragility when yeah. you do so, you only do that on the basis that you want it to feel premium and fancy and, oh, it's glass, not cheap plastic. If you can't tell from touching it, mm-hmm. then you might as well have a plastic back and it will survive falling to the floor, you know? So I'm a little, you know, we do normally list glass back as a pro because I know a lot of people see it that way. I find I'm a bit hesitant on that with this one because it just doesn't feel glass to me. It doesn't have that sense of polish and weight and part of that is, is the weight the phone is light it's 188 grams despite having a, a 6.7 inch screen i think that's it's a big really phone good, that yeah, feels yeah. very light and it's thin and that's probably part of why mentally i'm thinking ah, it doesn't feel that premium yeah. it feels kind of cheap it's just because they've made it light and that is a good thing really even if it throws my brain off a bit um you know i've come to this from the vivo x80 pro which is quite a heavy phone and it immediately felt a lot more comfortable to use this you know, I do that thing where I rest the phone on my pinky when I'm holding it. And, you know, I, that feels lighter and more comfortable. I don't have that little like pinky strain I'm getting. So the lightness is a good thing, but it does have this knock-on effect where the phone as a whole feels a little light. I did look at the specs earlier. Apparently the, the, eight, the 80 watt, 5,000 million power version that some markets get weighs the same. Yes. So it highlights just like, Kind of like if it wasn't obvious why Realme has done two versions and why you can't just have the bigger battery and mm. the faster charging together, is that it just they thought it would weigh too much, I guess yeah. is what that means. And they have the exact same dimensions and weight, 
the two versions according to what Realme said. So yeah, they have very clearly just been like, well, we can make a slightly smaller charging unit and put a slightly bigger battery in. It, it is a miracle they didn't call it something else, the other one, just because they love to have eight bajillion phones at one time. Yes, when I was in the briefing and I was told about the 3T, I was like, oh, that's what they've done for Europe. They've that's renamed the 80 watt one to the 3T. But And because the that one has 80 watt charging, it was immediately, oh, that's what they've done. Then they got to the process and I was like, oh no, this is a oh, different phone. Okay, And different cameras, um, and different screen. Yes, it is It is very much <laughs> a different phone. But yeah, that was my thought too. But no, so there is there is um, uh, the 150 watt and the 80 watt version, both with the same name. The GT is a, uh, the 3T, sorry, is a different phone just it has some similarities yeah um yeah i mean otherwise like i like a lot of the phone although i've talked about like kind of the feel being maybe a bit less premium than i like i do like the look of it i've got the um oh we can do the color names toddy you can have a moan about color names (laughs) i saw i saw one of them just now for the blue one yeah i was like it's not too bad it could be a lot worse to be fair it's was it nitro blue i believe you are right so which you can is... get it in sprint white <laughs> oh. which is a white black a white with black stripes you can get nitro blue which is blue with white stripes or you can get asphalt black which is just plain black no stripes but you need the stripes because that equals version. speed yeah, it won't charge as fast if they don't put the stripes on. So I don't know <laughs> sure. what they were thinking. Yeah, there's no toggle to do the ultra fast on the ultra no. map. Which <laughs> weird. Um, I, yeah, those names. I mean, I'm the. I feel like they've they've moved away somewhat from the, the the GT racing with like the flagship. So I'm kind of like glad that they brought it back for the Neo Three. So yes. like the, the that now affiliation. seems to be the shift. The Neos are where they actually still kind of do the car thing. Car thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because on, on the three T, the three T has a checkered back which they oh, nice. described as being inspired by the checkered racing flag. Yeah, whereas the, you know, GT, the, sorry, the GT2 and GT2 Pro, it's a paper inspired yeah. back and it's like one of the first phones with this like environmental checklist yeah. award. Nothing or to do with cars. It's all environmental, yeah. nothing to do with like cars at all. Yeah. Whereas this one, the names are about cars, they've openly said the colorways are inspired by Le Mans 66 and, like, <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, you'll also notice it still has a little Realme Dare to Leap but oh, it it's is tiny, a lot old. more restrained and modest, yeah. so I'll, I'm I'll okay it. with it. Yeah. I still think it would look that little bit better Without if it, it just said real me and didn't say dare to leap below it, but yeah. it is what it is. Well, you have to dare to leap, Dom. You know, you've yeah, got to take a risk. <laughs> it's, it's also a shame that the, you know, the European models have to have the CE back. Oh, I know. Because like... Uh, like with no, that, it always ruins it. The yeah. Find X5 Pro, the Oppo Find X, that was the worst one, I think, because that one looks so nice in white without the... If Brexit can't get us a phone without CE markings, then what was the bloody point? What was the point? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's the only reason I'd be okay with it. Where is it it on the iPhone? Like, because iPhones are are clever. I think they have managed to, maybe they pay, you know, like you can pay to not have the Intel inside logo on some of that. Oh, yeah. So I've got an old iPhone 10 here. You can kind of see it, like yeah, because they used to have it under the iPhone, so it's, used to it's have it nowhere. Very subtly. On, on yeah, the it's in the settings, or it's on the side of the frame. Check the side of your frame on your thirteen. Yeah. Oh yes, One it is. Plus. It's right there. Yeah. yeah. When they when they went straight sided, it. they it's could hide it on the side. Started, yeah. Whatever. So OnePlus yeah. used to do it in the settings initially, yeah. and have stopped and started doing it on the phone. And I can only assume <laughs> they were some off. lawyer somewhere said, Sli- yeah. no, 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 uh-huh. it has to be on the hardware. <clears throat> so I knew Apple had to have snuck it away somewhere. Somewhere. That well, was um, very subtle, though. Well done to them, because I did not yeah. see that. Sony was, Sony because you know Sony still have the, the kind of uh, user-accessible, like, tool-free SIM tray. 
Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. They, I don't know if they still do it, but you can pull out. They used to have a little pull-out plastic tab that you couldn't pull fully out the phone, and that had a stick on it with all the info. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Just oh, I like that. in the same as the micro SD card. And oh, no, why don't they do they that They should more? do like Apple do. They should do it on the frame or like at the top bit of the frame yeah. would be fine. There's yeah, nothing yeah. up there. Occasionally like an IR blaster or, or a speaker yeah, output. Yeah. But um, like bottom. Vivo just write professional photography along the top part Oof. of the phone. Leave it <laughs> out. much rather have the CE marking. Leave it out. <laughs> uh, last little bits on the Realme. So performance has been really good. It is powered by the MediaTek Dimensity 8100 which is their like second tier chip right now. The 9000 yeah. is the flagship flagship. The 8100 is the next level. I believe it's five nanometer rather than four nanometer, but I might be That's wrong. It's still pretty good. Still pretty good. It has, interestingly, in its benchmarks, the Geekbench CPU-based benchmark, this thing flew. It has really? beaten almost every Snapdragon HM1 phone we've tested on wow. a pure CPU side. It has done phenomenally well. Um, it's more in line with where you'd expect it to be for pricing on the graphics tests. Okay. So as soon as you hit GFX bench, it's back in line with the other five, six hundred pound phones, um, and below the, all the all the flagship flagship HM1 stuff. But on the CPU side, it's done very well. I that's just benchmarks from usage. I mean, it, it's incredibly fast. I can't really tell you if it's faster than an HM1, but it is very fast, very responsive. No. Lack. I mean that kind of tracks in terms of a lot of HM1 phones, the, the CPU stuff is barely any better. Yeah. And sometimes yes. not than the 888 yeah. stuff. It's yeah, all just GPU stuff. Exactly. So um, that, and the that, AI that tracks. Yeah. So yeah, and I think AI this side. is, this will be a very fast phone. You will have no problems with lag or, or stuttering or that's the kind of thing I don't think. Equally, I don't think this will be the absolute best performing gaming phone if that's your priority. I think it will be very good, but I don't think it's like the fastest phone around. It, it will still lag just that little bit behind the one, the phones that are kind of $300 more, you know. It's a 120 hertz display though, right? 120 hertz OLED, uh, 6.7 inch. It's not LTPO or anything. It's flat rather than curved. So, you know, it's not premium, 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 but it's still a very nice panel. And then cameras are the other inevitable, obvious downgrade a little bit. It is a 50 megapixel main camera. It is the IMX 766, which we've seen in lots of mid-range Oppos and OnePluses. They love that sensor. Um, it's got OIS, so it's a good it's a good camera. It's in, in in good daylight. The main camera is great. It is. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it is flagship level, but it is at a glance flagship level in the way that I think is true of a lot of mid-range yeah. Android phones for their main cameras now. You know, to the lay person, you'd probably say, yeah, that's as good as what the Samsung S22 puts out. Right. People who go pixel peeping will be able to find the differences for sure. But when you throw it on Instagram, no one's ever going to say, oh, your camera's shit, mate. Um, <laughs> get into low light and it's, you know, good but not great. It is good enough. I had it for a couple of gigs over the Jubilee weekend and was happy with the shots I got out. It did a decent job of handling the, the dynamic range and, you know, taking, finding detail in shots. And there was a bit of a difference between the night mode and the regular mode in terms of how much detail it pulled out of dark spots. Um, but again, this is where you really will be able to then say, oh, but the top iPhone and the top Samsung yeah. do better here. Um, and then the secondary lenses is where it obviously all falls off a cliff. Eight megapixel ultra wide, fine in the daytime, terrible at night, two megapixel macro, fine but the shots aren't as nice as the main camera anyway so why bother and 60 megapixel selfie camera that realme has used in its last few phones is pretty good actually the selfie camera it's nice portrait mode isn't amazing the sort of where it draws the lines are a bit 
blur it, blur a lot of my hair off. But uh, selfie camera broadly good, so you know, no complaints cool. there. Out now? Um, it is, I think, officially out next week for Europe. It's already out now in India. Yep, and then Europe in the UK is the fifteenth of June is the actual on sale date, but there are pre-orders now and that kind of thing. Um, there's actually only one spec available for Europe, which is 12 gigs of RAM and 256 gig of storage. So they've gone quite high spec with the mm. version they're putting out in Europe because it's the 150 watt one and it's high RAM and storage. So that kind of makes the 600 pound price point, I think it's 700 euros, but I'm not positive. That makes that feel a bit more reasonable maybe for what you're getting because that's with the top RAM and you might often be comparing to other mid-rangers that are only 8 gig of RAM and 128 gig of storage and mm. that kind of thing. Um, At that price, I'm immediately like, oh, Pixel 6. Mm. Yes, it basically is running into the Pixel 6 on one side, and then on the other side, you've got the OnePlus Nord 2T, Ooh. which has worse specs in several key areas. You know, it's a slower chipset, it's a 90 hertz display, um, and it doesn't it's, and it's 80 watt, watt charging. <laughs> Rubbish. So, useless. you know, there are definitely key, key differences between the Neo 3 and, the, say, the Nord 2T, but it's a £230 price gap. Yeah. And I don't know if those differences <laughs> yeah. are £230 worth of difference. And so, again, UI. that's comparing to an 8 gig and 128 gig model. So, if you factor in that, the difference is a lot smaller. So, they've complicated things a bit with the RAM and storage they've picked as a default. But I think that speaks to who this is for, which is it's for tech nerds who are probably going to make that upgrade to the high spec model anyway. Those are the people who are going to go out and buy the fastest charging phone that's got this MediaTek chipset you can't get in any other phone in the West right now. That you know, So I think it, it probably will find its market, and I think people in that market will really enjoy it. Um, and it's a much more balanced phone than I maybe thought it might be. Yeah, I think I thought it. they'd just throw in the really fast charging and you'd have really big compromises elsewhere to make that work. But actually, you know what? This is a really nicely balanced phone. Um, I don't know if it's the absolute best value phone or where it is in the market, but I can't imagine anyone being unhappy with it. Cool. Cool. Um, I went on a bit longer on that than I meant to, so sorry about that. <laughs> it's but we still have time for Lewis to chat about the Black Shop 5 Pro. So it's the Pro model you've got, but they have just launched both the 5 and the 5 Pro, right? They have indeed, yeah. It's literally, it happened at 1 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, it's now available worldwide, US, UK, Europe, all the places. <laughs> um, and that's following a China-only launch back. Uh, well, they announced it on the 30th of March and went on sale a couple of days later. Um, yep. So, yeah, we're just... Playing. That is a faster turnaround than we had last year. Way right? faster. Yeah. Several months. So <laughs> much faster. Yeah. Weird. They, um, the Black Shark 4 uh, was announced in March 2021. Um came out in the UK, I think it was probably November, December, or no, maybe even January this year. Like, I only looked at this a couple of months ago, um, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, what the hell is going on here? So they've rectified that this time around. They brought it back in line. Maybe there's more chipsets available than there was last year, or yeah. whatever's going on, they fixed it, uh, because it's here. Um, and you know what? It's actually quite good. Um, like, it's, it's, it's um, a redesign. Uh, of the old Black Shark. It looks different. Uh, it's got a different design on the back. The mm. camera bump's different. The LED system's different. Uh, but there are still a lot of similarities between this and its predecessor, uh, which makes the fact that this is a little bit more expensive hard to justify. Mm. Um, Would you say, design-wise, it's it's going more conservative in terms of gamer aesthetics? Yes, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of why I like it, because you've still got yeah, the gamer yeah. aesthetic. You've got the lines. You've got the kind of depth to the rear. You've got these cool little angular bits all that kind of fun stuff that apparently gamers like, but it's not someone, someone someone likes it. it. I don't know, not me, but somebody <laughs> likes it. Um, but it's not 
tactile like it is with the ROG phone, uh, where the, you know it's actually yeah. metal parts on the back with that you know that you can feel. This is just it just feels like a normal phone with a matte um, with a matte finish on the rear. Um, it's got a little bit. I know this is the lightning bolt that's sending me in this direction, and that's probably the only chain. thing. But it think makes me think thought. of the Poco F4 GT, yes. which is obviously <laughs> also Xiaomi, yep. and also they were very explicitly like, this is a gaming phone that doesn't look like a gaming phone, yep. and it definitely feels like they are going a little bit that way with this. Though obviously this is their core gaming phone lineup, so yeah. it's so not this as is, much so. The but... teams are like on the same floor in the office, like kind of <laughs> peeking through windows, like you know, like yeah. what's yeah. going on? Oh, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, in some ways it's it's all new. In some ways, it's completely the same. So uh, so let's talk about the key features. Uh, obviously, we've got the Snapdragon 8 Gen One um, yep. with either eight, twelve, or sixteen gig of RAM, um, depending on the option you go for. Which I think is one of the actually one of the downsides to the uh, Black Shark because the competing real uh, Red Magic Seven Pro is cheaper while also having a Snapdragon 8 Gen One and twelve gig of RAM as standard. Um, mm. So yeah, that's kind of. I mean, when you come, when it comes to RAM, does it really matter that much? You know, once you're hitting 10, 12, 14 gig of RAM, like, does does it really matter? I do <laughs> feel a little bit like in the gaming phone market, RAM has become a thing that the manufacturers have jumped on a little bit as a cheap thing for them to make yeah, bigger. It's yeah, well, it's an easy number to have be bigger than the competition. Yeah, but for gaming performance. I can't imagine RAM is really the bottleneck on a phone. No, but no often. one's really talking about whether there's VRAM, like more VRAM. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I want to know. Yeah, graphics. It's not. Like, yeah. Doesn't talk about that. Funnily enough. So why you know, except for maybe like load times for a level. I was about to say maybe load like times, multitasking, switching between apps. But even then, you're not doing that when you're gaming. Well, you're how in much one are you app? multitasking yeah. when you game? Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> and then even then, they throttle down everything else on the phone, so it's just concentrating on the phone because you've got a special gaming mode that literally just yeah. puts all the power into the game. Um, so that you've only got eight gig of RAM activated for that game anyway, and everything else is sitting there not being doing used. nothing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the RAM thing, I'm just kind of like it's 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 a, a spec war more than actually yeah. impacting the performance, and that was basically in line with our benchmark results as well. Performance, obviously, as you might expect, very well across the board. Um, it beat basically everything that I found in the gaming uh, in our benchmark sheet with all the gaming phones. Um, it's yeah, it trumps the uh, Red Magic Seven Pro by. In the lower level tests, it's uh, in the higher level tests. It's only kind of one or two frames. But when you get to the lower level stuff, there is a ten to fifteen frame, uh, ten to fifteen frame uh, per second difference in some of them. So it's interesting that right. without with less RAM, they can still achieve you know decent performance. It's all going to be about optimizations, isn't it? Exactly. And then the cooling side as well. Obviously, this is why I wanted to talk about. Performance. Yeah, they've um, they've they've uh, improved the uh, dual vapor chamber um, cooling design. I mean, they say they've improved it. But uh, it gets very hot still, like uh. <laughs> quite hot. If you're... But imagine how hot it would be otherwise. Yeah, like, this is what worried. Like it got hot. It got so hot at one point. I put my own cooler on it because I was like, "This is this is getting worrying." <laughs> like I don't like how hot oh, this right. is getting. Um, so, but I, I think you can buy. Well, this is it. Cooler. They um, have made a new cooler just for this, which uh, looks very cool on the surface. Um, it's magnetic, snaps on the back, uh, which you know why. So when I read about it, I was like, this is great. Just a little thing you can pop on, no fiddling around with uh, clamps and all that mm. kind of crap. You just mm. put it on and go. I was kind of expecting something like the MagSafe system on the iPhone. Obviously not quite as finessed, but just like a magnetic ring on the rear that you can slap these things on. Turns out, no. There's no built-in magnets on the rear of the Black, Ma uh, of the Black Shark 5 Pro. 
you cut, it comes with a magnetic sticker in the box that you have to stick onto the back oh. of your phone. Oh, that's no. horrible. Which is absolutely disgusting. I refuse to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and gross. I just use my own cooler that I already had that just clips yeah. onto the back and it does an absolutely fine job. And which, which, it just, it's just really frustrating because they already have a clip one. That's what they've been using up yeah. to this point. Why do that? I don't know. And then it's just, who wants a big, ugly circle? Like, is, are we in 2010? This doesn't happen anymore, <laughs> how, guys. How big is this phone? What's the screen uh, size? 6.67 inches. Oh, so it's not even that big. No. It's not like, as gamer phones no. go, it's like, I it's, feel like 6.7 is like the biggest, 6.8 is maybe the it's biggest. It's quite pocketable. Like it's, it's fine. Uh, and it's only 9.5 millimeter thick, which still sounds pretty thick. It's, That's pretty good, it's though. It's like the thinnest of the gaming, of, of all the uh, black shark phones. Um, so they've, they've been yeah. trying to slim it down as much as they could. Um, briefly, just kind of segue over to the standard black shark 5. I think the reason why the Black Shot 5 Pro looks so good is because they haven't gone with the Snapdragon 888 for the standard one. They've gone for the 870. Mm. They cranked it down even more. Oh. Yeah. Which, like the GT Neo 3T. Mm. Yes. Weird. Which is quite a lot cheaper mm. than the Black Shot 5. Yes. I have to admit, looking at it, I, I see a lot of the appeal of the Black Shot 5 Pro. Yeah. I don't see much appeal of the Black Shot 5 no. at its price point. Oh. Actually, I would say the bigger competition it has is again from the poco f4 gt yeah which is about the same price as this but has an 8 gen 1 inside does it have the triggers and also as well? has the same pop-up magnetic triggers. yeah i was gonna say because well the, the standard 5 doesn't have that i don't think i think that is a feature exclusive to the pro oh uh, no i'm looking at a an image that from their launch and they do have the oh is it in there now as well the standard okay 5. yeah it yeah. was um, up until this point, and excludes the pro models um right so okay. there are there are differences like it's 144 hertz display yeah. 144 hertz. and that's probably the selling point of that price com certainly compared to the poco but and you've got a 720 hertz yeah. uh, touch sample rate which is fairly high it's one of the wow. highest around yeah yeah um, pretty high yeah and then yeah so it's, it's, there's other things about it that i really like you've got the um, 120 watt fast charge which obviously isn't the fastest around anymore but it's still fast enough that you don't need to care about this kind of thing um yeah like so again that is in the the poco f4 gt yeah. as well <laughs> so. so yeah um the uh, okay, let's talk about the upgrades to the for the five pro. Um, one of the more surprising ones was the camera because obviously you don't, they don't tend to care about cameras with gaming phones for some reason. Trash. Yeah, absolute garbage. Um, so the uh, main sensor is 108 megapixel, um, with an f stop of 1.75, so it's fairly good in low oh. light. Yeah, that's some wide. Yeah, wow. Um, uh, OIS, no OIS, no, that's the sad thing. You have to be yeah, stable when you're, when you're holding it. Um, yeah. But I did actually get some fairly decent night shots uh, that quite surprised me uh, in terms of how much it captured compared to what I could see with the naked eye. Um, kind of captured a bit more detail than what I could see. So I was like, yeah, fair. So the, and, you know, the, the, the images it captures are fairly detailed. They're bright. I got no, like, like you were saying, Dom, with, um, with your phone, it's, it, they're passably flagship, I think. Like if you just looked at them, yeah. yeah, they're fine. You know, they're great. And it's only when you kind of zoom in, you're like, okay, wait, there's a bit of blur here. They've kind of missed focus yeah. here a little bit. Over sharpened a yeah, little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it, but I presume it's, it's pixel binning down to what, a 12 meg yeah. image or? Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's my favorite camera, obviously, main mm. camera. And that's backed up by a 13 megapixel ultra wide and a five megapixel macro. Now, tell me which one of those has the fixed focus? <laughs> the ultra wide. Oh no! <laughs> Why? 
Why would you have a fixed Wait, focus ultra wide and an auto focus macro? Quite believe it. Why? I just I cannot believe it. It makes no sense to me. It says yes, a fixed focus ultra wide, 120 degree ultra wide, 12 meg, and the 500 megapixel auto focus macro lens. Very odd. Very odd. I just cannot it's wrap odd. my head around that at all. Um, I mean, to be fair, the macro mode is really good. Um, like it actually managed okay. to get really yeah, close. Yeah, the macro with autofocus is very unusual. So. Yeah, yeah, that's and not something we usually say is, about those yeah. stupid. Like I, I caught, <laughs> I got a picture. It's in the review. If if, if anyone watching, uh, listening, and wants to take a look, um, I took a picture of a spider eating a fly on a web that was probably about Ooh. this big, and you can see yeah, all the legs, the arms, the head, everything. Like just, and it's just floating in the wind. So it was I'm good. Good at catching that, uh, catching that focus. That is impressive. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just that ultra wide is, is so dumb. Like, it's just it's so dumb. I don't know why they've done a fixed focus ultra wide because that means that you're going to miss focus sometimes. You know, depending on the shot that you're going for, especially with these ultra wide expansive shots, you don't know where yeah. how far away from the subject you're going to be. So it's just yeah, it's, some images are going to come out a bit soft. And it's the same thing with the front facing camera, uh, also fixed focus for some reason. Not so bad, mm -hmm. but still a bit annoying. Um, yeah. And then uh, 4K 60 frames video across the board um so yeah let's talk let's kind of mention quickly the actual gaming features we've got the magnetic triggers which are my personal favorite pop out the top of the display and you can program them to work with yes. any game and not just ones that support controller because it just it's nice. like a screen overlay where you drop where you want the touch to be simulated mm. from the triggers oh that's clever yeah um and that also means that there's other um little tweaks so they use the gyroscope and stuff like that so you can shake you can set um actions to like shake and tilt in a certain direction so like reload and or a grenade mm. if you do that and that kind of thing it depends on the game that you're playing or whatever and there's also dual sensitive pressure um areas on the screen so you can push down on both sides of the screen and different amounts of pressure will trigger different actions yeah. in the game as well um a lot of it sounds overkill but i did kind of push myself to try and use it and they are genuinely helpful once you take the time to set them up and tweak them like especially cool. kind of uh, in first person shooters where you can quickly shake to reload instead of having to because you know it's still just triggers You've got all these other buttons on the screen for like, you know, crouching, reloading, throwing yep. grenades, that kind of stuff. They're not going to be remapped to these these two buttons here. So you still need other ways of, you know, getting to them quicker. And that is one of the better ways that I've found to, to do that. Um, so what's the, the pressure sensitivity you're saying? Uh, so it's, pro it's a mix of the, um, the mix of the pressure sensitivity and the gyroscope stuff. I, I prefer the shaking to the pressure sensitive stuff, but uh, there are... Uh, Benefits to it, like if you want to run, you can, you know, while you're swiping, just push down a bit harder and it'll toggle the auto run, things like that. I guess it's just nice because it gives you just more options. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And you don't need the full controller. Yeah, <clears throat> several different ways to map things differently. And, and, and that's good for accessibility as well. Yeah, right? exactly. For, you know, for people for whom, you know, the regular on-screen controls might be a bit tricky. I don't know, maybe that, maybe impression-sensitive ones are also tricky, but maybe the shaking is helpful. So there's, there's just more options is always going to be good in that kind of space. Um, in terms of software, it's running Android 12 with Joy UI 13, uh, which is based on how, how MIUI. Is that? It's literally <laughs> it's, it's an even worse MIUI. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> okay. an even uglier MIUI. Um, that's one thing I hate about like most gaming phones is that I just do not get the aesthetic of the software. Like it's very old mm. school gamer vibe, like what they thought gamers liked about 10, 15 years ago. It's kind of like skeuomorphic, like the old I yeah, iOS it's like just... icons were like leather with stitching. Oh, I hate it so much. For a book. And yeah, it's, it's like... basically the same thing there. The icons are ugly. Things just don't quite work the way you expect them to. They've got that very iOS um, 
based design where you've got the control center on the right and you've got your notifications on the left and all your apps will go on your home screen, all that kind of stuff mm. that Android users typically don't like. Um, mm. That's all there. That's all accounted for. So you've got all that to look forward yeah. to. Um, I will say that Xiaomi has, you know, they've committed to their multi-year updates in general. I haven't heard much about Black Shark specifically. Um, I need to reach out to the right. PR because I couldn't find it in any of the marketing material I've been sent. Um, there are rumors online that it's going to get 13. Uh, but yeah, from what I've seen officially, I haven't seen any word about uh, future OS upgrades. Mm. So we'll have to no, check back on that one. Main question. Yeah, I know. The um, w with the the gaming like overlay stuff, mm -hmm. like when you're in game, um, one of the things you know Sony has been pushing. It, it's always surprising me when Sony pushes the gaming angle of its phones because they don't look like no, gaming yeah. phones and like, um, and they don't really mention PlayStation at all either. So it's very odd. Um, but one of the, I think, upgrades was adding in the, the live stream component or the Twitch component. They, they were pushing YouTube gaming yeah. uh, with with the, the latest Xperia, was it 1.4? Um, is there any kind of live stream integration or anything like that in no. the Joy UI? Not that I could more just see. like notifications, yeah, it kind performance of, management? Yeah, it will block all your notifications, divert calls, right. uh, you know, reallocate resources. You can tweak how much power each game has on a per thing basis. And get, you can get really granular in the uh, performance side of things. But um, yeah, no, there's, there isn't really much that I could see for live streaming and stuff like that compared to like the ROG mm -hmm. phone where they have uh, like mm. dual microphones specifically for live streaming and they've made sure they upgraded the front camera so it's better for live streaming. There isn't really any yeah. of that specialization here. There's probably a way to do the it. The other one still. is the, the Lenovo Legion with the selfie camera on the long side of the phone. Yes, yes. That's so that it. when yeah. you're holding the phone, the camera is the right way. How are the speakers as well? Because I saw on the, the like, website yeah. for the black shark like they're like oh it's got dxo highly ranked audio like loudspeaker audio which seems like an odd thing to push i feel like gamers would probably want to wear headphones yeah. i mean to be immersed but yeah are the speakers good the speakers are good i use them just uh well just while i was playing a bit of PUBG, and they sound great i could pick out detail all that kind of stuff but yeah like you say gamers need headphones because you need positional audio especially for competitive mm. gameplay you need to be able to see, feel you know hear where they're coming from not just the fact they're approaching from somewhere you know <laughs> it's not yeah. much help um, so yeah, it's <laughs> fine for around. kind of watching TikTok and stuff like that. I had no complaints about the volume or the quality or anything like that. But if you're going to game on it, it's worth getting a headset, which is also the more annoying thing. They, there's no 3.5 mil jack. So there's no true zero mm. latency audio unless you get a USB-C headset, which are very niche still. Um, they do sell, which I, I've not heard of, the Black Shark Joy Buds. <clears throat> Joy Buds Pro yeah. for this new model. Ooh. Yeah, I've got them as Ooh. well. Spoiler. Ah. they're not low latency well they're low latency but they're not like no latency like you would have with a normal pair of headphones um there's still no, a little no. bit of lag i mean they're fine they're kind of just they're true wireless earbuds like they all do the same thing these days they're just actually there's one thing i hate about them that i just remembered they have the worst voiceover that describes everything oh, no. all the mode changes uh, all no. the, when they yeah. turn on when they turn off when you're connecting to them pausing playing all of it has the worst voiceover and there's nothing you can do to disable it. Uh, is it just like an oddly accented English very, person? Very. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always wonder where they find the voice actors for those, those things. Very odd. I'll do it. Pay me a bit of money. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it, it was a, it's a good phone. I really like it uh, in terms of gaming. It's, you know, it ticks all the boxes for me. Uh, I'm, I'd quite happily sit there and I, I play PUBG on it and all that kind of stuff. Um, I really like the 120 watt fast charge. The performance is great. The display is yeah. nice. Um, it's just, yeah, that, the weird camera stuff, um, I just don't understand at all. And um, obviously, Joy UI slash MIUI is 
mm. quite the hurdle for some people to get over. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I don't remember what Nyron said about the red magic in terms of thermals, but that other thing you said about how quickly, how hot it does get despite having cooling, yeah. better cooling, that would concern me for yeah. a game. It, yeah. So, yeah. To be, I think my only um, caveat with that is obviously I was benchmarking at the time and my display sure. was up at full brightness because I wanted to kill the battery. So I feel like the brightness <laughs> of the display contributed to it a lot more. Because when I was be playing normally, yep. it didn't get too hot. But yeah, during that that one experience, I was like, oh, no, let's just get a fan on this for a minute. <laughs> I think it's easy to underestimate how much display brightness affects the phone's yeah. temperature. Actually. Oh, yeah. It's a really big factor. Yeah. Um, so, um, right. Well, I think that should probably do us for this week. We've had a, an extra long session, a fitting send off oh, yes. for Toddy. Uh, All screen time. Appreciated. Thanks, guys. We will miss you. Fast charge will we not will. be the same. Uh, we'll definitely <laughs> try and... drop in the comments from time yeah. to time. Just cause a ruck. <laughs> every every does. Ask weird questions. <laughs> <laughs> Never know. We'll Who get knows? We can get you back, we'll get back in as a there we guest, go. Yeah. guest presenter yeah. somewhere down the line. <laughs> yeah. That'd be uh, great. Thank you. Thank you, Tully, for being with us all the way through the show. And thank you to everyone watching and listening, of course. Uh, you're always a big part of what makes this work. Um, we will be back, sadly, without Toddy next week. Uh, we will be talking about the ZTE Axon 40 Ultra. I hope we'll have my full review ready of that. I'm not really sure what else. Um, there's nothing else big being announced that I know is coming in the next seven days, but I'm mm-hmm. sure someone has a curveball ready and waiting for us, or maybe I've just completely forgotten some major phone launch. That's it's always made, the way. And it's going to be a horrific yeah. surprise when we get there. <laughs> Cannot wait. Probably uh, another real me. <laughs> uh, just another three real me's at once. Uh, yeah, that'll do. Thank you to everyone who's been watching and listening. And like and subscribe, all that jazz. You know the drill. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.